0: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 11, Jane Esselstyn on the evolution of her diet, feeding children, and her favorite habit. When it's dinner time, I got something you
1: should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees. When you're having dinner with me,
2: broccoli Achoo.
0: I am your host, Dr. Yami Cazorla-Lancaster, board-certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Well, I am so pleased to have Jane Esselstyn on the show today. Jane is an RN, health educator, and cookbook author proud mother to three children and the daughter of Anne and Caldwell Esselstyn. She is a dynamic and entertaining speaker. I got to see her live in Portland, Oregon a few weeks ago, and I just feel so honored to have you on the show today, Jane. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And I, um, it's great to, to meet you again, although virtually here. Good to see you again.
0: And Thank I, I'd, you. Love to
1: meet my I'd love you to meet my parents because then you wouldn't call my dad Caldwell. He, no one calls him Caldwell. His name's Essie.
0: Essie. I know I've heard of people call him Essie, but I feel like I need to be a little bit more formal in this case.
1: It's a formal, unused name. Time for you to meet him.
0: Well, Jane... You have an amazing story, and I loved learning from you in Portland. And I wanted to start out, if you could tell us about how did you come to adopt a plant-based diet?
1: I came to adopt a plant-based diet. Um, it was sort of an evolution, and um, I remember talking to you a bit about this in Portland, but basically my whole family, like I say my whole family, my my parents, Anna Essie, and my three brothers, Rip, Ted, and Zeb. We all grew up eating sort of, uh, as little kids, like when we were little, um, we were ate you know, healthy, whole wheat bread. We didn't eat eggs. Our cereal was all like, you know, flakes and grape nuts and stuff. We never had like junk food, you know, Quisp, or, or Quisp was a really old, um, like Captain Crunch. You know, we didn't have junky, sugary stuff, And but we had, you know, mayonnaise on our whole wheat bread, and, and we were Monterey Jack cheese and mayonnaise on whole wheat bread with Brussels, oh not Brussels sprouts, like green sprouts, like we ate healthy for that era, mm-hmm. and then um, all the, all of our, all of my brothers and I swam um, growing up, and we all swam on a national level, we were really competitive swimmers, and I went out to Mission Viejo, California when I was 15 years old to swim for the national champion swim team and the family i was staying with got this meat that was so um it was almost like generic meat i don't, there's no better word for it but that but it sort of was so fatty and gross so i didn't like meat anyway my mom would always sort of push for me to eat meat when i was a kid and she i mean she laughs about that now she's like oh shane can you believe how much i just sort of forced you to finish that hot dog or whatever it was <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so I went out there and I did not like the meat. And the family said, Oh, well, then you're going to have to have some beans with this. And I thought, well, What are beans? And I had never had a legume, a pulse, or knowingly, I'm sure I had lentil soup or something, but I don't remember having, you know, a, a black, black bean burrito or a refried bean, this or that. I think I had my first burrito when I was 15. That's sort of odd. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, where like garlic salt rules, you know, it's not really this big culinary place, um, or it wasn't known for that, it seems, in the, uh, in the 80s, 70s, 80s. So anyway, I started eating plant, uh, more vegetarian, if you will, when I was young, in my teens. And right around that time, my dad's research, separate from his kid's behavior, his research was, or his curiosity was growing in how can he help the next unsuspecting victim of breast cancer? His work—he was—he's a general surgeon, so breast cancer was his neck of the woods, and um, parathyroid surgery, thyroid surgery, and he wanted to do something to help the next person to prevent this disease versus being this carpenter who was simply getting in there and cutting it out. And his research was sort of epidemiological. I mean, looking from afar, he could see the patterns of disease states and it's pretty obvious epidemiologically where things are happening and where they're not happening. So he said, well, what can we do? Hmm. What's the difference here? And so he had his patients go on a plant-based diet. Um, well, okay, okay. That's easy to say now. He had them have no meat, no dairy, no sugar and no caffeine and no oil and no salt. Like he, it was just like this, Avalanche of, of everything at, um, at once. I mean, not that we're not similar to that now, but I remember calling home from college one day and my brother, who was still home answering the phone, he and I said, Hey, what's going on? It's like, I don't know. We don't eat meat, meat, dairy, sugar, salt, or fat anymore. And I was like, okay, why? <laughs> what's going on? And, um, the next thing we know, we sort of we changed. Actually, dairy was we did eat dairy, dairy was on board because there was no fat dairy, no fat yogurt, no fat so, uh, vanilla sauce serve, or, you know, um, frozen yogurt stuff. But <clears throat> all the research about dairy of is coming out. That seems to be really um, one of those top don't do it culprits. Anyway, so it's all started long ago, and um, sort of in harmony with my dad's way of thinking was my sort of. Kitty instinct of what I wanted to eat, so it was actually not that hard for me to go vegetarian, vegan, plant-based, um, and so from there it evolved, pulling the no dairy out. Um, you know, still the no, no, uh, no meat and no added oils, and minimal salt and sweet have become like condiments, having a little bit of salt or or sweet to help you eat the mountain of Brussels sprouts or whatever you're eating um, mm-hmm. is, is kind of key. I mean, I mean, like, you know, soy sauce or um, a barbecue sauce with very minimal sugar mm-hmm. um, to help, you know, prepare foods.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a long, windy story. Is that what you were looking at? Yeah, for?
0: for sure. And so it started when you were in college. And as you said, it's evolved yeah. over time. But mm-hmm. it it sounds like for you, it wasn't really... Too difficult of a transition. You you were slowly adapting to this way. But do you remember that there were any times back then that were tough? Were there things that you were like, oh, I don't know if I can give this up. Or I don't know if I want to. Um, there
1: were. There were. <coughs> sorry, my dog. Hey, Fraser. Fraser, there's, there's, the dogs are okay. The dogs in the neighborhood are barking. <laughs> Fraser, um, Frazier, as in a Scotsman. His name's Fraser, as in Jamie Fraser. Um, <laughs> sorry um Was it difficult at times? Yes. Like eating in the dorm at college, i walk in with my tray and I'm swimming. I was swimming for the University of Michigan. So I'm swimming, you know, 5 30 to 7 30 in the morning, get out of the water, come back to the dorm. You got to eat something quickly before you go to classes at eight to get back to the pool by one fifteen. I mean, you have this little window of time for classes. You need a smaller window to eat and walk in and there's like, eggs that they make from powder oh yeah you know, stir mm-hmm. eggs stiffen and you know bacon and sausage and <clears throat> danishes and th- things that uh, you know you're like what what am I gonna eat so that's where I had a ton of dry oats that I would have in my room mixed with grape nuts and I remember stirring in um the, the no fat plain yogurt mm-hmm. in that day that's what I remember from that and I remember thinking that it tasted horrible, I remember like putting a, a uh, I remember throwing like a thwack of, of jam in it to make it taste a little really sweet, and so just, that, so that thing was hard, but I was always willing to make my way, um, again, I was kind of being a vegetarian at that time, and veggie burgers were not a regular thing in a dorm cafeteria, uh, veggie chili wasn't around, so it was, it was kind of tough at times.
0: What motivated you? Was it the health implications that you were learning from your dad or was it more that you just didn't like the taste of meat and that was getting, you know, more pervasive?
1: I never liked the taste of meat. And so it only sort of strengthened my, my tendency to not like meat. My dad's research was aligning with that. And I mean, he would, he would, whenever we all came home, we would all be you know together as a family. This is, you know, before all the days of screens and and computers and stuff. So we'd all be hanging out together and um, my parents have a big, huge bed and we all would would watch football games or something together. And my dad at one point, I remember him just having all of our attention and reading us this research, not his own, but someone else's research. And he was just intrigued by this research. And we're all just on the bed going, (laughs) "Uh, so not interested. And, but he drilled it in and drilled it in and drilled it in. And somehow we all, all of their, all my parents, kids, all four of us have adopted this way of eating. And as it's fine tuned itself, it really is. Our pillars are quite strong now and they're not really shifting, but you know, no meat, no dairy, no added oil, minimal salt, minimal sweet. Mm -hmm. And, and all of our kids, all 20 of us now, you know, eat this way.
0: That's awesome. And I, I remember in Portland, I, I called you guys like the plant-based royal family because I think, you know, especially with your dad and, and the legacy that he's been passing on, but also that there's so many of you involved in this and so motivating, you help a lot of people. So I really admire that. So fast forward a few years, you're married, you're going to have kids. Was that conversation with your husband ever kind of like when two people decide what religion they're going to raise their kids in, was that ever difficult or was it a no brainer? Our kids are going to eat a plant-based diet.
1: It was, well, my husband and I were plant-based, you know, with the exception of he, I think, um, I don't know if I told you about this before, but he would have a little bit of coffee in his cream. And I was like, you know, dairies, you know, he wouldn't have, you know, it otherwise, but he would have a little bit of coffee in his cream. And, and that was sort of his thing. I don't drink coffee. I think it's so, I think it's a sacred morning ritual and afternoon ritual for some people to have coffee. And, you know, it's like any behavior we have as humans. I think my behavior of not having it is as strong as his behavior of having it. And, so anyway, <clears throat> he would have a little bit of coffee and cream, and that's just sort of, that's where, that's where the line was drawn or whatever. So when we had kids, you know, they never had any meat. They didn't drink milk. Um, we didn't, we had a sort of a benign dictatorship, you know, at home. <clears throat> they were, um, they were you know, kind of kosher with us, uh, how we ate. And, but then they would, oh, when they were little, little, did you mean like babies little or do you mean like as they were growing up?
0: The whole time. I mean, so you decided before they were born that they were going to eat this way. It wasn't
1: a difficult decision. Yeah. But my, my husband was very, he was very, um, he's, he's a great, he's a great educator and he's an educator by the way. And, um, he is a sort of, gets out of the weeds and can see the whole very well. And I'm like, I'm in the weeds saying, oh, we need a quarter teaspoon vanilla. We need i I'm just good at details. Mm -hmm. Said, you know what? They're going to eat this way, but we're not going to create any sort of fanaticism or disorder in their way of eating. So Mm -hmm. when they go to their friend's house, they can eat whatever they want. And I was like, absolutely. Like I, I, you know, I grew up eating all kinds of things. You know, my friends are having a pig roast, we'd all be like, what is this? eat the ear or, you know, you know, whatever, when I was little. And <clears throat> so they always had, a you know, the green flag to go and eat whatever they wanted. They never wanted to eat meat. They never wanted to try. Oh my, uh, my son, I think like one of his middle school parties went to one of those places where they prepare the food in front of you on the... Um,
0: the hibachi. Sort of mm-hmm.
1: Yes, exactly. And so they're flicking all the, um, you know, the vegetables, all the broccoli pieces everywhere. And then they flicked a piece of meat to everybody. And it came, one little piece of meat came to him and he was like, and his friends were like, you gonna try it? And he's like, I think so. So he was like, are you trying? And he's like, it was so chewy and it was just so salty. He, he was like, I, I tried it and I didn't want any more. So we're like, so he's had a piece of hibachi steak. Um, my oldest kid, when she was being, she had a babysitter when my husband and I went to um, Believe it or not, the opening game for the Cleveland Browns, because the Cleveland Browns sold their team somewhere, and then they came back. So we went with some friends. I was in the middle of reading Harry Potter, the first book. I could not put down, so I'm like, trying to watch the game, but I'm reading Harry Potter. I mean, classic, like, why am I there? Not a fan. <laughs> okay. She has a babysitter. She's not yet one years old, and we didn't even think to say she's vegetarian, or she's vegan, or she doesn't eat meat. We gave him back, and, and we were like, oh, how was it? How's this little crowd doing? And they said, great, she loves ham. <laughs> so she'd had, I guess, little cubes or pieces of ham when, we were, when she was there. And we just laughed and thought it was so funny. And, and whatever. So we have little stories of meat coming into their lives. And otherwise, uh, they didn't want meat. But dairy is a sort of a different uh, beast for them growing up, you know, going to someone's birthday party, they'd have a big piece of cake with a scoop of ice cream or my, you know, my son never really likes it. So he always just says, no, my daughter's are like, oh yeah, I'll try it. And they'd get a bellyache and they'd come home and one child would always have diarrhea from it. Mm-hmm. And that becomes its own feedback loop. And now they have vegan ice cream. So everyone's like, oh, vegan ice cream. And that's a different level of like, okay, you guys, it's really rich in some sort of oil or coconut milk, which you want to probably steer clear of, but but you know, it, it's 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 fine tuning things like that with them. Um, and so, so my kids, I would say, grew up vegetarian, but not vegan, uh, because they would go to school and have uh, probably a grilled cheese sandwich on white bread. Mm-hmm. My son came home one day and said, I couldn't find anything to eat today. I had a hot dog bun with ketchup. Oh. <laughs> Poor baby. <laughs> my daughter oh yeah i couldn't find either i had a bowl of croutons a bowl of pineapple and I think some other weird like they would they would eat like condiments they would eat the strangest things from like a salad bar
0: they were survivors they knew how to get their calories from somewhere yeah.
1: so they were Vegetarian <laughs> officially um and they're having to be more and more vegan now um
0: well and i love that because you trusted your kids to find their own way. You know, you gave them the information. You created a safe household, a safe place where they are going to get their nutrients from whole plant foods. But then when they were outside of the house, you let them off the leash and let them explore and experience things themselves. But ultimately, as you could see, some of those things, especially if they weren't used to eating that way, were telling their bodies like, this doesn't feel so good eating at all time. So they were able to find out for themselves. And I think ultimately that's the best way for all of us, right? To get that intrinsic motivation. It's better if we determine something for ourselves, if we're going to do it rather than other people domineering and telling us how to do it.
1: Yeah. We have to make our way in the world. They have to learn to make their way in the world. And they're going to find that leadership when you give it to them. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you and I, like you're, you live in Portland, right?
0: In Yakima, Washington.
1: Yakima. Yummy from Yakima. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, met you, I met you in Portland. If I live in Portland, Oregon, I would be such an unhealthy vegan. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I would be hard to be plant-based because there's so many amazing restaurants. I mean, I was there for a weekend and had astounding meals, but they were all sort of, they no meat, no dairy, but they were covered in oil and like sort of processed vegan options, which- are tricky. It's a slippery slope because you're like, Oh, I can try it. Cause it's vegan. And, I mean, you've got plenty of vegans who ha- are sick because they eat so much of that greasy processed stuff. Um, so I'm glad I live in Cleveland where I don't have any vegan, vegetarian options. Um, because, because making your way for, so for me, if I lived somewhere where they had beautiful options like that and we were asked out to dinner or went out to dinner all the time, um, my feedback would be, Hmm, you know, I I, I I eat a ton, so I would probably eat so much, I would, I would probably have some sort of elevation in some labs, I'm sure, and I probably would have a weight gain, mm-hmm. and that would be my feedback. I don't mm-hmm. think I'd feel sick, but I'd have that going on, um, whereas, like, kids, I think, are a little bit more in touch with their bodies, and they'd say, mm-hmm. I this bellyache, this gave me diarrhea, this, this tasted good, I want to have it again.
0: Mm-hmm yes i really do and i encourage families to to uh, think of their children as intuitive eaters and not force them to eat when they're not hungry so that's like the opposite is true don't force them to eat when they're not hungry but at the same time maybe we shouldn't be quite so strict about some things because ultimately they need to figure it out themselves too so moving forward a little bit um many parents struggle with having their children taste and try vegetables. Was this a problem for you and your kids? And do you have advice for parents that want their kids to eat more veggies?
1: Um, Yes, it was a problem for us at times. Like um, I have one child who doesn't like bananas and bananas are such a huge part of so many things I make and prepare and bake and whatnot. So it's hard because she doesn't like that. And I, I, I will always wish that she would like bananas, but she just, her, her intrinsic authentic self doesn't like it. And I get that, like, I cannot stand olives. They haunt a dish. I can tell there's an olive anywhere near it. And they just <laughs> totally haunt, they haunt. They don't even taste like anything, they haunt. Um, so I, I get that. Um, and my son who is I feel like he has the kind of brain people should study because he, I don't think, has ever overeaten in his life. Mm. Such an intrinsic eater. doesn't Walks in the house, takes off his shoes. Like, he doesn't want to be burdened by the shoes, doesn't want to be burdened by food, doesn't want to be burdened by... And he's, he's totally in touch with like every cell of his body from head to toe, internally, externally. It's funny. Um, and he was not a big eater growing up didn't eat much, didn't like, doesn't like sweets, never liked sweets, didn't like how it made his tongue feel, didn't, doesn't like sugar, like amazing. Um, and he didn't like beans, but he is six foot six and a half and he is swimming you know, hours a day, lifting weights hours a day and he's off, he just committed to a college, I can't say yet because he hasn't, worked. he just committed, I mean, he had many schools that were all over him. I mean, here is this zippy fast swimmer who's six six and a half big i mean he weighs like 168 so he's only going to get bigger <sighs> if they can get to eat <laughs> um but he just started liking beans about 18 months ago which was such a big deal because he liked hummus but he didn't like be like i you know we have we have rice and beans probably every third fourth night and he would just have his rice with some toppings he liked guacamole thank god and you know, now he like, he said, mommy, I'll have, I'll have six beans. So he would literally have one, two, three, four, five, six black beans. And, um, my, my best luck with him actually was making, um, beans from scratch, black beans from scratch where you, you know, you cook them for hours and then I would puree, you know, immersion blender them. So they have the texture of hummus, which mm-hmm. he liked. And he then, I like those beans. So I was like, phew. So he's, um, <clears throat> eating those beans. So that was a big, good over that one. And then my I was, my third kid was a great eater. She doesn't really have an issue with things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so what I have found though, as far as getting to eat more and more vegetables is that I pathologically fed them broccoli. Every night we had broccoli, every night, bizarrely, freakishly, every night they had broccoli. So what they say with dinner, they're like, oh, we're having quesadillas, which is, you know, refried bean ideas. like mm-hmm. this. The queso, it's the sweet potato our where, where refried beans holding as the, the mortar, um, and guacamole, and corn salsa, and mango salsa, and where's the broccoli? Like the broccoli was basically like what gives dinner another dimension besides like whatever we're having, rice and beans and broccoli. I mean they had you know all these other things on top of their rice and beans that were also vegetables and, and options they could put on, but broccoli was always there. So. It kind of became this green thing that was always there, and occasionally I would put in edamame instead of that. And they go, "Oh, the rocket beans! These are fun. They shoot the rocket beans all over the place." And and I never put things on the broccoli. I never put anything on um, the vegetables, but I have found that something like Brussels sprouts, which is a little more uh, a depth of flavor and a more like bitterness. I have a wonderful recipe for that one that, you know, they, they love, it's black pepper and a little maple syrup. And I shake the, you know, I get them all, it's all sort of coated or dressed or whatever. And then I, I bake it. It bakes in like the, the pepper and the sweet with that Brussels sprout flavor they'd love. And last night we went through a whole bag of Brussels sprouts, just the, the three of us. Cause one of my kids is at college and the four of us. And, um, I, but I kept serving that dish until they tried it, and you know, salads obviously they'll pick and eat what they like out of salads. Now they eat everything. Um, finding a salad dressing they like that doesn't have a lot of oil in it. Like I started, we had salad training for a while because I thought, okay, you guys, we can't just be eating broccoli. We're we're vegetarians, and you guys are vegans and plant based, and we we're eating just broccoli. We got to get salads. So we, for like a summer, I had salad training, and. I didn't care that we were wasting salads all the time because we we grow lettuce in our garden and it's not, you know, it's not like we're wasting food we've purchased. So the salad training, they would just be able, they could get whatever dressing they wanted. And luckily half of them were totally, or two of the the girls were grossed out by ranch dressing. They were like, Oh my God, it tastes like throw up. They thought it was throw up. I don't even, I couldn't even find the connection, but they were like, "It's, it's like throw up. And my son loved it. But then he got sick of how creamy it was. And um anyway, they got to liking salad and knowing what that, that feeling and texture of and enjoying fresh vegetables that weren't broccoli, cooked broccoli. And now they're salad eaters. But it's just it's <clears throat> it was funny how I, I remember having okay, salad training is not over yet. We, we're all gonna go to the store and choose a dressing that looks good from the cover. So we had someone with Annie, someone with Ken, someone with I don't know, Hidden Valley. I mean we had the
0: whole spectrum. Wow. And- Thank you so much for sharing that story. There's two things that I, I want to point out. The first one is, uh, despite you know your history and, and your dad and everything, there's no perfect families. There's no perfect anything. And kids are all different. I have two of my of my own and they're very different in the way they eat. Yeah. So I want to point that out to parents that You know, even you struggled with getting your kids to eat certain things, and that's normal. And then the second thing I want to point out that's very important is patience and time. And that, had you used the word evolution before? That's what it is with children, too. Don't give up. And just like you pointed out, keep trying new things. Keep exposing them to different vegetables and know that it's not going to happen overnight for some kids, especially you described your one child that that's his personality type. I have my youngest one. That's his personality type too. He's the kind of kid he will not eat if he's not hungry, like not even one bite, even if it's like the most luscious, delicious looking chocolate yep. cake. Nope, nope, not one bite. I'm not hungry. You know? And he's also a little bit more cautious about food. He, he, has to be, he has to bite into food. He's not just going to try things. He has to really kind of, let me see it, mommy. Okay, let me smell it, mommy. And I'm like, oh my God, is this like interrogation over, (laughs) you know? And then my oldest one, he's like the opposite. It's like impulse control. He's like just tasting everything, whatever anything is. And so that's normal. And we all just have to be patient and know that our kids are not going to become these like perfect little vegetable eaters overnight, but to be patient, it will come.
1: No, it will come. And, uh, going to visit our daughter at college, you know, I, I went there, I've been there twice. Um, since she's been there since August and going with her to the dining hall. And you know, I go off and do, you know, I'm, I'm looking around the dining hall, like, okay, what do they have? What's this place like? <clears throat> what options do they have? And she goes and gets her stuff and you know, what she's selecting to eat. It's such um, It's so clearly visible to me that eat the, the the she's just, it doesn't have a tray of brownies and and French fries like she's got she's gonna try this the, the vegetarian option she's gonna you know try these vegetables but they look really sort of salty and greasy because we don't use salt or grease on our veg, on our vegetables but that's what they have there and she hasn't learned to complain yet so um, and then a salad and and I I'm just amazed like I'm not amazed but like. I'm thrilled to see that the behavior of of talking about it and 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 trying it and, and she's making those choices herself.
0: Mm-hmm. As a young yes. adult, and it pays off in the long run if we just hang in there. for families that want to adopt a health promoting eating style?
1: Um, Well, parents have got to be like, you have to be the example you want want for your kids, you know? Um, And little kids don't get the why necessarily. They're more like, okay, we're a team and this is what we do, like, okay. You know we're a family this is what we eat or you know there's there's a sense of like i'll do this because this is what we're eating and this is what we're having for dinner um but i think if parents are making a change kind of suddenly or within or not maybe not suddenly but they're starting to eat more healthy that they have to be the example for their kids if the kids are not eating and um i mean then they need nutrition have some sort of bridging options available um I, I i don't know i'm the worst one to ask about this because our kids have only ever eaten this way mm-hmm. i again I say no meat and no milk they did have a little bit of dairy come into their lives um as they made their way but um you just gotta be willing to do that like i remember that like we were my husband and i always like if we get a pizza we get um there's one place that's great that they make a pizza and we always got roasted red peppers pineapple onions and mushrooms and with no cheese like we get this you know naked pie and my kids are like oh we're getting pizza can we get a cheese pizza i was like you gotta get vegetables on that because i'm not gonna buy a cheese pizza so they're like okay we'll get and they would you know choose their things and one one time they messed up our order and only gave us cheese list pizza and i was like yay and um, but usually it's the other way around you get cheese on the pizza that you, you wanted they have no cheese on yeah yeah. And so in came these cheeseless pizzas I'm like oh you guys I'm so sorry you heard me make the order they're all cheese I'm so sorry and they were like whatever and they just ate it and my daughter was like I actually want to, I, I want to try your pizza and I was like how long you want to try our pizza well you look good with the pineapple and stuff so it was almost like she was ready to try it you know before it even like fell, things fell apart, and there was no cheese on their pizza. But she they, now they all get pizzas with, you know, pineapple and onions and mushrooms, kind of a like chutney or just a variation of flavor. And um, just because we were the example of that for so long, whenever we'll I mean we get pizza every once a few months, but um, they're there, they're looking, they're watching, they're they're aware of it,
0: for sure. And studies confirm that as well, that parents and peers are some of the biggest influencers of children. So if we change our habits and we stay consistent and persistent, not only are we modeling that behavior, but we're also modeling the importance of consistency and persistence, which is in itself great life skills to have. So I I definitely agree with that advice.
1: I you're you said that so well and you made me realize that um I'm, I'm drinking water here out of my mason jar but we only drink water like I don't we don't I haven't spent a dime a penny on you know juices or bubbles or whatever people buy for their kids to drink just we you know have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of calories from only drinking water
0: mm. Well, and that reminds me of something that I've heard over and over from some parents. So we are the same in my household, only drink water out of my Berkey because I'm in love with my Berkey. I'm so addicted to it. Um, However, I have heard some parents say, well, I have to buy soda or I have to buy juice because company comes over and I want to be able to offer them that. What do you think about that?
1: I offer my company water. And, um, I, I don't, I don't drink cause I never have, I never did drink. Um, um, but my husband, you know, he might occasionally have a beer. So we go through a six pack, maybe, um, every six months. I mean, he poor guys, I could drink alone. So we, we really, there's just not a lot. So we occasionally have a beer in the fridge and i offer them a beer or water.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the same thing I do. And I, and I don't, Maybe guests talk behind my back and say, what an awful place to visit. But I don't think so. <laughs> I think that they're coming more to see me, not to drink soda or juice. So you are not
1: to see my juice. You're here to see us or whatever.
0: Yeah. Jane, what personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it and how do you maintain it?
1: That's an interesting question because we all are just a bundle of habits, like from the way we dress and speak and interact and everything. Um, but to think about it, habit, 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 habit. One that I I love is that um, my my brothers and I, we all, like I think I mentioned earlier, we all grew up as swimmers and we all swam on a national level, just basically we exercise every day in the morning, in the afternoon, exercise was a part of every day. If it wasn't, it was because it was Sunday and it was, you know, the the day off. So that habit, that pattern, that that physical connection every day to your body and your energy level and your sense of self was really um, incorporated at a young age. And I know that my brothers and I, to this day, we all still exercise probably every day. And if we don't for a stretch, it's because, you know, chaos is happening in our world or our job or whatever, but no one is a non-exerciser. We all, my parents, all my brothers and I got all my three kids are all athletes. My brothers, kids are all athletes. RIP's kids are all still coming up and they're, you know, Kids are all, kids are naturally so active and mm-hmm. fidgety. They're, they're doing everything. And my other brother's kid, child is just four. So she's, she's also you know, takes all kinds of classes and stuff, but it's, it is such a fun thing to do every day. And how would you run? Hey, where'd you go? How, you know, did you, how was your yoga class? You Know, did you cry today in yoga, mom? You always cry in yoga, like, and I was like, This is so beautiful, it's so great. You know, just whatever, whatever activity you're doing, you know, how was it, or what you do, how'd you feel, how's your shoulder? I mean, just, you know, just keep, it keeps you so in touch with your this vehicle of your life, and I guess that's the habit that I'm, I'm not proud, I'm thankful, I'm thankful that I do that, not mm-hmm. so much.
0: proud is i'm proud of my kids not of myself oh that's sweet (laughs) but but it's okay it's okay to be proud of yourself too
1: (laughs) you have have that you're proud of
0: me yeah oh um i think it's my persistence i don't give up but i wanted to go back to you and ask you so you do yoga and running do you still swim?
1: I swim episodically. To to having having been a swimmer in my life for so long, I mean, since I was I don't know six years old till my twenties, and every day, and starting around age thirteen or fourteen, it was twice a day, every day. Goodness, I mean, there's not a lot of gear with swimming. You could put a suit on, maybe a cap and goggles and off you go. You need a towel, wow. You know, you, you, it's not expensive. It's not, um, I mean, it's like skiing or something is what I'm saying, you know, or hockey. Like it's gear and mm-hmm. ice time and ski time and mountains and chairlifts and stuff. It's, it's not impossible to access. But getting in a pool for me feels good, but, but it just feels... I'm done being face down in the water. Like I want to, mm-hmm. I love running in the woods and I don't run on the roads or, or treadmill. I always run in the woods and with my dog and I love getting out there and just, and all the seasons, like right now it's fall here. I don't know if you can see it fall.
0: It's fall. Oh, pretty.
1: But it's, um, I, I just, I, I love being at, um, and in yoga. I think that being in a class with other people, it feels different than like, I feel like I'm part of a flock. And I know that like releases some sort of endorphins or oxytocin or something. It feels good to be in this mm-hmm. flock of people all doing something together. And, and um, so I love that hit. And swimming is, is an individual, I know running is too, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, swimming just feels, it was, I'm done, I'm, t- mm-hmm. I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. I, I had a funky shoulder for a little bit and swimming helped me get over the hump. And now I'm like, thanks, bye-bye hung up my
0: suit again, and back to my path. Nice. Well, you did it so intensely for so long, so it makes sense that you would want to explore, explore other things. And it sounds like for you, exercise is not just good physically for your body, but also emotionally, you know, that well-being component of it that keeps you coming back. So that's something intrinsically that you've learned too. Probably when you're away for it for some, some while, you're like, ugh, I need to get back to my exercise.
1: Yeah, It's funny. Sometimes I go off to exercise, and I've got a great book on my um, phone. You know, listen mm-hmm. my headphones, and my dog leash, and the dog treats, and I head out, and I put it in my pocket, and I'm running. And next thing I know, I'm done with my run, and I haven't turned my phone on, I haven't listened to the headphones. Like it just, it's it's got such a interesting, semi meditative. That's a horrible term to try to throw out there, but it's um, it's, a, it's a spring cleaning in your mind, and your thoughts, and your creativity, and beyond like what i'm gonna make for dinner just off thinking about letting your mind wander it's just such a nice time to ponder and wander and reboot
0: Mm -hmm. and evidence-based as well because studies show that putting physical activity into our day actually improves our creativity and our ability to think through things so it is a good thing to do well, Jane, you stay really busy. Like I said before, you're an educator, you're a cookbook author, you have some stuff coming up that we'll talk about in a little bit. But what, what is it that motivates you? huh?
1: In researcher, you haven't talked about it.
0: Researcher, yes. You, so you do all sorts of things. You stay really busy. But what is it really that motivates you to do all of these things? Why are you so passionate about what you do? I, I
1: don't even even think about that. Um, I, I think it's because the work that we're doing, I'm doing, um, I say we because I'm a, I'm a part of so many things. Like the research I was trying to sneak in there is because it's pediatric obesity and hypercholesterolemia, high cholesterol um, in, in kids. Um, and the work I, we do with, you know, like at, at Engine 2 with our emergence of retreats, it's all people who are, they, they come because they're dealing with some health, issue from high blood pressure to to previous heart attack, type two diabetes, you know, just that list of lifestyle diseases that you can get yourself out of. Um, the cookbooks we write is all, they're all, their aim is to get people healthy. Um, so I think, I think at the end of the day, I don't like that phrase, but like literally at the end of the day, the work we do is for for good for the good of others for their for their bodies and their their health their family their loved ones their their the pocketbook their insurance company everybody's benefiting like it's not harming hurting the earth, <laughs> earth. it's not harming a darn thing so it's good it's good work I think, mm-hmm. um and and people are, are interested in it like they're they're they really want to no and 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 what's also so interesting is it's kind of like you know teach a man to fish metaphor but minus the fish um people who are interested in plant-based eating um or people who are sick and they learn to eat in a plant-based way they usually can be free of this illness for the rest of their life like my my father was at the cleveland clinic and his five-hour seminar of intense discussion about the foundation of heart disease, and, and you know, this is why you have it, this is how you got it, and this is how you're going to get away from it, ideally, he'll have, the clinic will have no more patients with heart disease. Mm-hmm. Granted, they make money that way, but the best doctor has no patients, and that's really his goal, and you, know, you sort of wish that every physician was striving for that, mm-hmm. and um, so it's all, it's, it's good work.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you, thank you for the work you do, and that leads us into uh, opportunity to talk about some of the events coming up. So we have the um, prevent and reverse heart disease and autoimmune disease in women that you are doing in March. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yes, um, our my, my mom and I wrote the cookbook companion book for my dad, prevent and reverse heart disease. Um, cookbook and you know that was in the back of my mind all the time because oftentimes we go to these events and conferences and my mom and I are asked to go up and do a demo. And so they have, you know, all these men speaking, 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 and then all of a sudden here come the women and they do the food. How was that nice doing the kitchen? And then the men would get back on the stage and the men would talk and that and I'm like, look at this audience. It's 80% women. Women are here. Women are willing to learn. Women are willing to listen to people and things and ideas and change. Um, I mean, not that men aren't. I mean, there's you know 20% of the people out there are also very wonderful, strong men. Um, again, I'm speaking in general terms. But the majority by far was women and there were some men. And so I thought, you know what? Um, I, I used to you know, make suggestions. Why don't we make this a little more targeted towards women? Maybe have a woman, anybody, anybody. And you know, no one changed. I said, fine. I'm going to have my own conference. I'm going to call it prevent and reverse heart disease for women. And I had that. And I had all these women presenters because there's all these women docs like yourself who are amazing and brilliant and beautiful examples of what's going on out there. And they do research and they have patients and they have insights and they have ideas and they are motivating and they look like us. And they've got communities and families and loved ones just like everybody else. Anyway, so I had this event, and it was a blast, sold out, huge wait list. Um, and we did it again. And then what I realized is that so many of my speakers and presenters also had their own stories. And two of my, the presenters, the MDs, had one had MS in, when she was in medical school, and now she runs marathons. Dr. Thry Stanzik, if you've heard her, she's a mom. Mm-hmm. And another doctor, Monica Agarwal, um, she had rheumatoid arthritis right after her third kid. It got to be just so overwhelming. She couldn't even walk or carry kids. Now she does triathlons and she's a yoga, she does yoga like in her office with her cardiac, cardiac, you know, in her cardiology office. Anyway, the point is I was like, you guys are bringing so much more to light as well. I want this to be about heart disease and autoimmune disease. I mean, next year, watch, I, I'm gonna have it be heart disease, autoimmune disease, and breast cancer. Until okay. I mean, it's like the whole woman <laughs> conference. Anyway, um, it, it it's such an exciting event because it is, in the majority, of course, are women. If it had been event, if i if called it prevent and reverse heart disease in men, the same audience would be sitting there. So I don't even care who is the engendered at the end. It just mm-hmm. is people come and learn this good stuff. And so that's a really exciting event. And It's just, we dance, we have goodie bags and raffles and build your own amazing, beautiful lunch. And um, it's it just, it's very targeted towards women and they're so great and they connect and they talk and they make friends and love
0: it. And I love that you added the autoimmune piece in there because- I mean, we are blowing up right now with autoimmune diseases, and it is really affecting a lot of people's lives in a, a really strong way. And people often are told, "There, this is just something you got. This is your genes. Uh, your diet's not going to make any, you know, difference in this. So just keep eating the way you're eating. Um, so and then just take these medicines for the rest of your life." <laughs> and. We know, and you know, and and these physicians know, that diet really is related. So all of these things, just like you're saying, the breast cancers, the heart disease, the strokes, the dementia, the autoimmune disease, they really can be, you know, you can follow them back to a common root cause. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And it's that inflammation. And so the more we look at this um, inflammation seems to be this the causation and what's triggering it where's being triggered and how can we control it and mm-hmm. it's astounding what food can do and causing it or helping reverse it mm-hmm. it's amazing
0: and there is hope there is hope for these women out there and men of course too that are struggling with this to maybe open their minds and think about it a little bit differently too.
1: So what I learned when by looking deeper at, and their own, in, you know, these their women, this, this two doctors experience is that of the people, there's what, I think 8% of the population has autoimmune disease and of that 8%, the majority, like 75% or so or plus um, are women. Mm-hmm. And I was not even aware of that and so I became more aware of that and I was like, all right, boom, let's help these people. This is so hopefully reversible.
0: Yes. And that conference is going to be in Cleveland, correct?
1: Cleveland, Ohio. I host it I it's hosted by my company my business, which is Healthcare is Self Care, but I host it at the Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute. It's a beautiful place. It looks like the Starship Enterprise landed. And it's this funky huge glass. It you gotta come it is beautiful. You can, you can interview whoever you'd like. And oh, that would be fun. <laughs> great. And you would be great. But, uh, it, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's beautiful. Like this, the space itself is so fun. And, um, it's March 10th in Cleveland, Ohio, where everybody wants to be in that like, like unpredictable time of year. Um, and we love it.
0: And it's just a one day conference, correct?
1: Women are busy.
0: Yes. So that's good. Okay, well, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes. And then I want to touch upon the research that you're taking part on, the continuing research, because there was the first study that came out, um, but now it's going further. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, our feedback from our one-month-long study that was published in the Journal of Pediatrics um, February 2015, our feedback was it wasn't long enough. It wasn't you know a big enough study. And um, so we, we had, I think, 30 kids for one month on that one and showed some great changes. Um, so we said, okay, we'll make it bigger and we'll make it longer. So we had 100 kids and they were randomized the first day, 100, 100 kids, obese kids, high cholesterol, and their parents with them or a compliant parent with them. And they were randomized the very first day into three groups. One was plant-based obviously, and they would get a green folder when they were randomized. One was the American Heart Association Diet, and they would get a red folder when they were randomized. And the third group in our study was the Mediterranean Diet, and they got a yellow folder when they were randomized. And so the kids all walked up and they would, you know, here's your name, and oh, you're gonna be in this group. And um, all of us uh, instructors were in our rooms waiting for the people to arrive when they were randomized. So all the kids who came in my room had this green folder and they were like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so sad.
1: I can't say much about the, about, the, about the, the whole study yet because it has to you can't say anything, but it was just so funny. When they first walked in, I just, I had a blank sheet of butcher paper and I said, okay, can you please come up here and draw an emoji for how you feel? The parents were like, oh what? And I said it's a symbol from their phone of you know the sad face, frown face, whatever. And the emojis they drew, I mean, they would have like a frown face with tears, a you know, frown face with a growl. This one girl, a frown face with flames coming out of the eyes, horns and like steam, like just like just so mad for being in the plant-based
0: diet. So mad. And how long did they do it for? How many weeks?
1: Oh, so this was a hundred people, hundred kids for one year.
0: One year. Oh wow. And then when does the study get published?
1: Well, it has to get published because it has to be accepted. And so that we just, we just finished it five weeks ago.
0: Okay. So you just finished the data collection. It's
1: going to be in the statistician's hands for, you know, how oh, wow.
0: mm-hmm.
1: months and months and months. So. And as you know, as a doc, anybody who's put on a nutri- any nutritional research it does not have compliance. Mm-hmm. You what, you have to accept that people are going to be mm, about their compliance. Mm-hmm. So that's always a tough one to tease out of research. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we all went in knowing that and accepting that and um, all three groups you know, they have, you have to deal with that, knowing that from, from previous research from forever.
0: Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I'm really, really excited to see what results come out of that. And uh, hopefully soon within the next year or so, we'll, I'll be able to have a paper to read published in a major journal article. So that's very exciting. Thank you for participating in that. Jane, where can people reach you if they want to connect with you?
1: Um, like I mentioned earlier, my website or my businesses, healthcare is self-care, but I have the worst, the worst link. It is H C is S C healthcare is self And there's a listing of all kinds of stuff that we have going on for I me mean, from books to resources and whatnot. But also we have an event we do a couple times a year here in Cleveland, Ohio called wrapping your head, heart and hands around plant-based eating. And it's a very small intimate event, just about, it's a classroom size deal. Um, just 25 people, and it's just you are just elbow deep in food all day long. I mean, in their goodie bag we give you a, a a Tupperware because there's so much leftover food at the end of the day. And it's making food, eating food, um, creating this food, talking about it. The hurdles, the challenges, the obstacles to getting yourself to eat this way. And my my mom is there, um, and my dad is there. So it's it's a great day to have with people who have been doing this for a long time and lots of information, but most of all, lots of food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a holiday edition um, in November so people can enter into Thanksgiving with some some sort of, they're armed with some stuff and, uh, and other holidays. But um, anyway, so, yeah, reaching me on my website is the way to find out about any of that. H-C is S-C, I know that's an awful, it isn't even the letter of each word,
0: Well, I will make sure I put it in the show notes and we'll make sure that people find you, but you're also on Twitter, correct? Oh yes. 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 And Um, then are you on Instagram too?
1: Yes. Jane Esselstyn underscore RN. And uh, Facebook is healthcare is self-care. Okay. Great active site. And I have someone who helps me with that. That's why I'm being a little hesitant, but um, I'm visible or available on all that. All that Facebook I do know is healthcare is self-care.
0: Okay, great. Well, we'll make sure that people can reach you. You are a wealth of information. Thank you so much for your passion and energy. <laughs> Thank you for everything that you've put in. And I, I think that's a good idea. I might consider coming up in March and seeing you and all the ladies there. That would be fantastic.
1: You would have so many interviews. You'd have your podcast. I'm just saying, it'd be great to have you there and it would help in all you, how you're helping spread the word in mm-hmm. there west coast
0: that would be a blast west coast you're you're over in the west that's right the deep west (laughs) well thank you jane i appreciate your time today and i hope that you have a plantastic day i hope you do too (laughs) Bye. bye I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocket surgeons music. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at Facebook.com forward slash VeggieFitKids or you can email me at veggie doctor V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at VeggieFitKids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a fantastic day.
2: We're having broccoli. We're having broccoli.